The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. You're listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show. With host Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. Brought to you by Underdog Sports. Tune in every week as Tyler and Zan recap the biggest storylines and news in the NBA. Welcome to episode 247 of the Underdog Sports NBA show. I am Tyler Laurie and I'm joined as always by my co-host out in LA, Zandrick Ellison. Zan, how are you today? I'm doing well. Um, we're right in the thick of the round two now. It feels like a slugfast, glamorous series. You can't get bigger names than Steph versus LeBron, Durant versus Jokic. I mean, like it's, it feels like almost like conference finals or if not like finals level slugfests, don't you think? Yeah, three really good series, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Miami and the, the Knicks is going to end up being like a very fun series. It's 2-2. Jimmy Butler missed um, Tuesday night's game. Knicks old serve. And then now they're going back to Miami. But yeah, I mean, it's interesting in the sense that like I miss the Bucks, and I feel like yes. I really want the Bucks to still be in the playoffs and they're obviously not. Mm-hmm. But like in terms of star power, like you're saying, like Lakers Warriors is about as good as uh, NBA executives could hope for. And then whoever yeah. comes out of Durant, like the, the Suns and the, the West, and it'll Nuggets, be sense. right. Yeah. The West is fine. And then you're you're obviously really hoping for Philly or Boston, I, I would say, which we would expect. Like Jimmy Butler and Jalen Brunson are great players, but they're not like moving the needle. Right. But all the you know three of the four series, like it it really has what you want. And you know, largely Zan, we're now two games into the first two series. Denver's up two zero, and uh, the Knicks and the Heat are it's one one. And then you know uh, today's Wednesday, so these games will be tonight. But Boston and you know, Boston and uh, Philly is tonight. And then the Lakers and Warriors will be Thursday night. Those are one Oh, but I mean, all those games are good, right? We've had no yeah. duds you, so far. Yeah, I think you're, you made a good point about, you know, the Knicks Miami feels maybe like a round one series, but yeah, but it's a good series. It's a good series. A little bit. Maybe it's like eating d- this whole thing dessert before your dinner in the sense that like round two looks really fun, but if it's Knicks Celtics in the conference finals, maybe that's not a great series. Yeah. Or heat Celtics heat. I mean, I would imagine whoever wins the, you know, Philly Boston series would be the favorites to come out of the East by a wide. And then margin. also burying the lead of the sense of one negative about the playoffs so far, aside from Milwaukee getting bounced and kind of ruining that glamorous conference finals is just injuries littering. Every series yeah. almost. Chris and, Paul, Jimmy Butler, Tyler Hero's been out, Joel Embiid's out. That that does kind of take a little bit of the wind out of some of these series. But I will say, I agree. Uh, we did get news uh, before we started recording that Joel Embiid will play in game two, uh, oh, barring, barring like a setback at shoot around, anything like that. He also did win MVP on Tuesday night. I did kind of want to talk about that before maybe we dove into the series because there's a lot to talk about. But the Embiid MVP thing, I did predict him to win MVP at the start of the year. So I'd like my flowers. But also, did you see the voting for the MVP? It was like Embiid got 73 first place votes and then Jokic and Giannis like somewhere in the high teens, like maybe Jokic like 17, Giannis 13, something like that. I I don't know. And then I, I, I did not like that, actually. Yeah, I thought that was odd as well. And then like overall points was like, um, 
Embiid was like somewhere in nine, 900 something. And then Giannis and Jokic, Jokic second, Giannis third, both in the 600s. And then I believe it was uh, Tatum fourth. Shea Gilgis Alexander fifth, I think. Um, but you know, you know what that kind of reminds me of because I, I mentioned it last time that I was on Jury Duty, and I recommend the show Jury Duty. By the way, very funny, very funny show. <laughs> but there's one thing when you go in. The like, first thing we did as a jury is okay, everyone without talking, right? You, you immediately vote, vote, right? Yes, and you know, even blind. Um, and the vote was one way, and then it's different after talking about it, and people start agreeing with each other. It feels like these awards votes are votes after everyone has already talked about it and agreed to vote the same way almost. I, like I Mike th- Brown, like unanimous coach of the year, he probably deserves it, but no one else disagreed. No one disagreed. And Embiid, maybe he deserves to win, but 70 to 15 over that Jokic, seemed, like that's crazy. Yeah. And and it it very much seemed so like we have said all year, uh, three very deserving candidates. Uh, I think, you know, I had been banging the drum for Giannis towards the end of the year. And I think, you know, we kind of went back and looked at it. And I do think I would have voted Jokic first, very, very slightly, I think, for me personally, yeah. uh, just looking into, you know, what his impact was and kind of how the, we see the Nuggets perform without him. I, I do think I would have probably gone Giannis second. Um, maybe that's a mistake. I'm not sure. And then I would have gone and beat third. But honestly, I, I feel like you could have picked the names out of a hat because I, I do feel like they were very, very close. I think Embiid is a very deserving winner. I do agree that I thought the voting should be much more split. It seemed like this very much was Embiid's time. And if we go back to that clip, I'm not a good producer, so I'm not going to pull it. But like I did say that I felt like this was Embiid's turn. And, you know, because we didn't expect him, yeah. if he stayed healthy, to have any drop off in play, right? We know what we get from all three of these guys. But it just really felt like it was Embiid's turn. And then with the whole. And like, also, like I said. The Kendrick Perkins thing, the race card thing. Yeah, well, I, I played a, you know, play don't play this clip. But in the beginning of the year, I'm like, voter fatigue is overrated in historically in terms of the voting. And that turned out not to be true. I mean, it turned out the voter fatigue did certainly play. Yeah, a role I mean, uh, again, I, I do feel like it's fine. I, I think Embiid, very deserving MVP. We will not look back on this and say like, oh man, he shouldn't have won. And yeah. I'm not even saying he shouldn't have won. I think it's very much. I, I would have done Jokic slightly ahead of Embiid actually. And then, and then Giannis, Giannis third because of the problem. And also the Embiid, played, right? Embiid notably the Sixers won one more game than the Nuggets. So it's hard to use like the number one seed as an argument, I think. Although they did maybe turn the No, field. but they were also 12 and five without Embiid. So like, yeah. and we did see, so, you know, Embiid missed game four. The Sixers close out Brooklyn. He misses game one in Boston. Um, I, I want to dote on James Harden. As you know, it's one of my favorite things to do. Just an absolutely monstrous performance goes for 45 huge three late which we've seen him miss for you know years and years and years and so you were conspicuously quiet that night which was really <laughs> disappointing for me as i wanted to no i'll give him his flowers he it was but, great and, yeah uh, but you know i tend to think that like one boston has a few more focus issues probably than we think because i mean defensively they were just terrible I, obviously philly was too and so it'll be interesting to see on wednesday night with Embiid back they'll get more rim protection but they won't play as fast as they did and Boston probably would prefer to play that way, like without a ton of pace, uh, because it allows them to kind of set their half court offense, kind of rely on their physicality. And, and you know, we won't, we don't know what Embiid's going to going to give us. I, I would assume if he's good to play, that means he's as close to 100 percent as he'll be. But it is, you know, James Harden is a great Hall of Fame, former MVP candidate. And as good as we think Chris Middleton is and as good as we think, you know, Jamal Murray can be, he was spectacular in game one and then equally as awful in game two against the Suns. 
Like, nobody has a James Harden-level caliber teammate right now. That's how I, I good... Don't, I don't know if that's true, but I will say... No, no, in the in the MVP race. Sorry, I, oh, I don't. Okay, I don't gotcha. mean like overall. Yeah, like yeah, LeBron and Anthony Davis. You, you, you know, yes. you're good. Like, yeah, yeah. Okay, I agree. And then also, take it a step further. Like, you know, people s word on Tobias Harris, and but like the guy can average twenty points a game. He's very he's good. Before. Yeah, he, he, and he's like, very Tyrese good in his Max, role. He can average twenty points a game. Like, that's a pretty yeah, they got, awesome they got, top four. They got eighty plus out of like Maxi Harris and Harden, and obviously Harden had forty five. Like, that's a way you know to like get that stuff done. But like, I, I do feel like one of the big problems with Tobias Harris is that like he is very well suited as like a small ball four when there's space and he can cut and he can like straight line drive to the rim. And you can't do that with Embiid, right? Like, and that's one, a failure on Tobias Harris's fault to not be able to change his game, but also a failure on like, you know, Daryl Morey and Doc Rivers to not be able to change him into who he is, right? To, to utilize him in his best role. But then Embiid's out or Embiid's banged up and we're watching Tobias Harris in this role where you're like, damn, this guy's pretty good. Like, I, you know, it's funny. Like I got a text from somebody on, I don't even remember when game one was Monday night. Like Toby not showing up in crunch time per usual. And then he had like a huge layup, like big offensive rebound, a huge top of the key three to tie the game. And it's like, man, you guys are just so outrageously like high expectations for Tobias Harris. Like, and he's going to be, I would expect him to play worse on Wednesday night, right? Like you expect that too. And I think if, yeah. And if you're, if you're Boston, you say, look, Harden can do this kind of thing as a lead option, but he usually doesn't shoot that well. Seven for 14 from three Melton five for six from three. Yeah. And, but if you're looking for warning signs, which of these stats from a Boston point of view is concerning to you? Let me give you three options. Hit me. One is Tatum and Brown, two all-stars. Tatum takes 25 shots. Brown takes 10. And there- real, real quick. Let me throw you another one on there. Jalen Brown, really good first quarter. Three shots after the first quarter on Monday night. That, to me, is a little bit concerning, especially in a game when it's like they have no rim protection. Jalen Brown, great guy getting to the rim. Like, how how does that happen? And then what about this one? Or so that, like the star balance or the guard balance where it's, you know, Derek White had gotten so much praise this season. He only plays 27 minutes, only takes five shots. He wasn't great. He was smart. He was not 35 minutes each even though smart had six turnovers. So like, do you think they need to adjust that, get Derek white a little more time yes. or um, I do feel like we're staring down the barrel of you celebrating that Marcus smart is going to play too many minutes, uh, which I mean, it's possible, you know, he did in game one um, had a tough game. I thought had some huge plays two and ones that were really big, but you know, you saw in the last play of the game, or ostensibly the last play of the game, like they, they inbound it to him. He drives it instead of being able to finish. He tries to dump it off to Tatum, who's two inches away, turns it over. You know, I, I think that you want to have Derek White with the ball a little bit more. I think the Celtics are struggling a bit more for an identity than I expected they would yeah. down the stretch. Um, with Ime Adoka, obviously, you probably have a stronger voice in the locker room. That's not to say that I have any idea of what's going on in the Celtics locker room, but it did feel very odd to not see more Tatum and Brown kind of like half court ISO type situations. And then the last thing when like Maxi was in foul trouble for the like whole last part of the fourth quarter, the other like minutes distribution thing I was going to mention. So Horford gets to start, you know, do you play two bigs? How often 
Horford 30 minutes, Robert Williams only 20. That doesn't that doesn't bother that, me that's so normal. much. But given, so how, given, the, given the pace of the game, too, you, they wanted to play a little bit more Horford. Like, I think when you need somebody to bang with Embiid, you're going to have to play Williams more, right? And I think the Sixers did push the pace on, on Monday night, and I would expect to see their pace decline just with Embiid because the guy's not going to be able to play that pace. So. so we all agree, like, Boston has a great roster. Their top, the seven guys we just mentioned are really, really good. They have the best um, roster remaining in the playoffs in I terms agree. of, like, the playoff rotation type deal. But say you're the coach. Joe Missoula gets caught in an affair, and you get promoted. Like, who do you start in if, say, Embiid comes back? Do you make any adjustments? Do you... No, I, I would start their normal starting lineup, I think. Uh, I, I think you can decide what you want to do with with Marcus Smart and Derek White, you know, on a game-by-game basis. I'm not a huge fan of having that type of inconsistency, but there are some series where I think I really would like Marcus Smart's energy to start the game, and there are some series I think I'd really like Marcus Smart's energy off the bench. And that's kind of the biggest thing. Like, I, I would 100% bring Brogdon off the bench, and I would more than likely bring Robert Williams off the bench. Uh, but can you do you, you have that like second spectrum or whatever like the two man lineups data? Because I'd be curious to see. Do I have it in front of me? No. Can I get it? Not sure. immediately. Okay. Oh, well, probably. we'll look at it next week because this series will still be going on. Because I'm just curious if maybe Brogdon and Smart is a better combination. Because it's well, like Brogdon's a better score. He can cover. You know, Smart's. I just don't want Smart taking too many shots or doing too much, and just treat him like sort of like a defender only. And I think Brogdon can take on more of that, like scoring than than White can. So we're what are we looking for? Two man lineups for. Boston? I was wondering who who's done better, Brogdon plus Smart, or White plus Smart. Okay, give me a second. Or Brogdon plus White, and and not the other guy on the court. Yeah. So if you're only playing two guards. Okay. Uh, this is this is really good TV. Uh, Marcus Smart is part of a lot of there, so. Jason Tatum and Derek White. Oh, just give me their best lineup if you have that. The best two-man lineup or the best five-man lineup? You can give me the best five-man if you want. Uh, Smart, White, Tatum, Brown, Horford. So no Brogdon in that. That's their starting lineup, right? Their best lineup with Brogdon is... Oh, actually, interesting. Their best lineup with Brogdon is Brogdon for Derek White. So with Smart. Marcus Smart is part of almost all of their best lineups. Okay, so that that's a good argument, you know. Like that's a large sample size, and too. I mean it is a lot of minutes too. Like, let me see. I think I, I have it sorted by minutes. But they also play, you know, in the playoffs. It might be worse. I'm not sure, but well, he plays with Tatum probably a lot or whatever. Tatum the starters. most, I would imagine. Yeah. And that's and and so like here here's the thing, right? Like Brogdon's role, and you know, don't get me wrong, Brogdon probably made the the single worst play of the game on Monday night was Malcolm Brogdon, but a lot of things led to that where he. You know, they're running the shot clock down with like under a minute. And he just turns and throws an uphill pass and right to Tyrese Maxey, who lays it up to take the lead. And I think, you know, when you look at something like that, you don't expect Brogdon to make that play. Of, of all the guys on their team, you'd expect Brogdon would just recognize the shot clock and be like, all right, I'm going to get a shot up or I'm going to take a shot clock violation because, you know, if we get to set our defense, that's fine. And uh, he just did the worst possible thing, which is really surprising. And it makes me wonder if Brogdon's not necessarily fit for that role of like playing with Tatum and Brown and Marcus yeah. Smart together. Like, does he That's need fair. to be the guy who runs that unit? Like, should he be in the game when Tatum's not in the game? And I, and I don't know any of this. Like I said, I, I haven't watched the Celtics enough this year to really like have a. Super, yeah, no, super I, I haven't team. either, but I would say without watching the ignorance, I'm like, I think you talked me into the idea that even though smarts probably the, in my opinion, the third best guard of the three, like he fits the 
the starting lineup well just because like, of the things he does. He's like so important to what they do as well from like a culture standpoint. And again, I am in agreement with you. Uh, the interesting thing, what I will say is I was very, very surprised. And again, Harden, you know, spectacular performance, like one of the best we've seen. We've had mm-hmm. three just all-time performances in the playoffs. That Steph Curry game seven against the Kings, which we'll get to, and then obviously Jimmy Butler against the Bucks. Uh, but I agree with you. I wouldn't expect to see that from the Sixers again, but you don't, you know, if you're Boston, you'd have less margin for error now, right? Like you, you cannot come unfocused, you know, another game really, because like, let's say, well, yeah, you know, I expect them to win Wednesday night. I do think adding and beat at less than they're favored by 10. That is an outrageous line. <laughs> I don't know how that's possible, but it might, that it might have be been pre MB. Yeah. But even so, like, they need they it, it must win obviously like I'm not down I, down to seven and a half sorry yeah that seems fine seven and a half seems okay I would expect them to win tonight I, I would expect them to control the tempo better than they did I obviously would expect Harden to shoot worse I'd expect Melton to shoot worse and I I would expect to see a little bit less rhythm from the Sixers roll guys without you know now that Embiid's in like Paul Reed you know that's a guy who played pretty well in his limited minutes but also like. You know, he's not going to get a ton of shots. He's going to be a little different. You're not going to be playing with a guy on the court who you don't have to find, right? And so, you know, this yo-yoing of Harden into this, like, distributor scorer role, like you said, you know, when you are the number one scoring option, you you get more shots, right? And so it'll be interesting to see how they respond. Um, but when, would have, if you're Philly, you I know. would have Boston, real quick, I would have Boston as a very slight favorite to win the series still. And, I, and a Vegas, very slight favorite. Vegas is still heavily in Boston's corner. They have them as a, you know, almost two to one favorite over that seems silly. Yeah. That seems high. But if you're Philly, you know, cause we said Jimmy Butler got the win and then was able to like rest game two. Cause they, they're fine getting the split probably like if you're Philly, wouldn't you have the same logic where it's like, I don't think so. Rush. You'd re- I would sit and beat a night personally. I don't, I don't know. I mean, and again, we may see, we may see like, you know, he goes to warm up and he gets stiff and he's just not ready to go. Right. Like that could happen. Big guy who knows how his body responds. But I would say if I'm Philly, like, I'm not taking any games for granted. If Embiid can play and like he says he's ready to go, I want to go for the jugular because if I can, if I can somehow steal Wednesday night and I go back to Philly 2-0 and I have three more home games in a place that's going to be an absolute like bonkers zoo, unless I think Embiid can get more injured, which I've heard it's not really like that, right? I I don't, I'm not leaving any bullets in the clip, I don't think. That's fair. And you know, it feels like road teams are winning a lot. Um, in this playoffs. And so I did a little research actually when I was waiting for you to log on. I'm like, are road teams winning more often? It was two usual? minutes late. You can't have gotten that much research done. <laughs> well, just looking up their record, the road team's record. Um, in the regular season, it was 42% road teams wouldn't win. It seems reasonable. And the playoffs, it's been about 40, 41%. So yeah, it's actually about average. It just, to me, it just felt like my whole thesis was going to be like, Home court doesn't matter, you know. All these road teams are winning. Still but matters out, some. Yeah, and Denver's five and zero. Oh, that, a little bit of recency out. bias too, probably right, because Golden State, who we don't expect to win on the road, wins two huge road games. It's a good yeah. transition into into this series. So let's talk about the end of Kings Warriors because um, just you know three great games to end the series, but Warriors lose Game Six at at home. Uh, really, just a kind of a missed opportunity. I thought they looked exhausted at the end of the game. I think I told you that I, I felt pretty comfortable with the Kings uh, going into game seven on Sunday. And then, you know, we, we saw, I, I don't personally think Steph's performance was better than Kevin Durant's game seven against the Bucks, but Steph ultimately scored more points and won. 
but you know, Curry goes for 50. Kavon Looney. Well, I, told- I, I agree with you just because, you know, and even bothered even put Jimmy Butler against the Bucks higher because the Bucks have a good defense and the Kings don't. Right. Know? And and I the one thing about the, the Curry performance, right? So the Kings end up, you know, the, the Warriors win uh down two and half. They really control the game in the third quarter despite not being able to make a shot. Uh Clay Thompson with one of the more impressive, like shooting performances you'll ever see from a standpoint of like he couldn't make a shot like he was missing open looks and then all of a sudden like you know he's just going to keep shooting good shots and it's a good example for guys to not get gun shy but curry was really the only player on golden state that could create a shot and gets 50 uh, i think he took 38 shots uh, it's really hard to do in an nba game the kings tried every single type of way to guard him early in the game they were blitzing him you know, later in the game, they tried to double him. They they switched a bunch. Um, and I thought they had a really good, like, strategy to beat the Warriors in game seven. And then, you know, Sabonis came up so small in the third quarter. Like, I don't mean to blame all of the loss on him, but Kevon Looney just destroyed him on yeah. the offensive glass. And so, you know, the Warriors were not able to make shots. Wiggins and Clay could not make open looks. Draymond could not make an open look. Like, Jordan Poole, nowhere to be found. And they got so many extra possessions and they got so many free throws and like they missed those, but it, it allowed the game to slow down and allowed the Warriors to take control of the game, which I was really, really surprised. But yeah. one more pat on the back moment. I texted you, the Warriors need Steph to have 50 points to win the game. And he had 50 points and they would have won if he had like, what is this? The but. Tyler patting yourself on the back. You, I, It's Harden rare that I get anything right. I don't help out your chest. <laughs> I just hope Harden has a bad game and knock you back down to earth. Next I week. wouldn't expect him to play well Wednesday night, I will say. Uh, but anyway, or play like amazing. No, shout out to the Kings, just because I think not only holding, standing the ground, going toe-to-toe with Golden State was impressive, but from like a psychological standpoint, like Harrison Barnes misses this game winner and it feels like it would be so deflating. Fox is hurt. Yeah, they come back and find a and, way to yeah, win. And win game six. Like, that was awesome. And Huge moment. And I think they're going to be, you know, in the mix. I almost feel, don't you agree? It feels like their core, I'd feel more comfortable with this working and being a team that can, you know, contend for round two, round three next year than Memphis. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Memphis feels like something just... It's not translating right now. You yeah, know? maybe it's, maybe a little addition by subtraction with no. Dylan yeah, Brooks, I mean, <laughs> also has has, Dray- has Draymond Brooks. Green has Draymond Green put a podcast out yet since uh, Dylan Brooks was like told under no uncircumstances, <laughs> no circumstances was he being resigned. Wasn't uh, that kind of like a douchey move though? Actually, to say that, oh, like, why say that? Like they're dude, totally scapegoating. This him? is a joke. Like Memphis enabled his behavior for yeah. years. Like they they even like applauded how he was part of their team. Like. I they let him I, shoot not, 16 shots a game. Here's the thing. Just, like, I'm not out here to defend Dylan Brooks. You know my opinion of Dylan Brooks. Like, I've talked about it on the show, but like the Grizzlies, like to, to scapegoat Dylan Brooks is a joke. Like, look in the mirror. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they allow that. I don't like scapegoating, like, you know, even Philly scapegoating Ben Simmons a couple of years ago. It's just like No, it's not acceptable for an organization to do it yeah. this brazenly, in my opinion. And it's like Dylan Brooks is who we thought he was and who you knew he was. So if you didn't like it and you're that anti him now, weren't you shouldn't yeah. have you been that way two weeks ago? Before. Weeks That's ago? exactly right. But yeah. so I will I will say, like, I am not as optimistic about the Kings um being like a second, third round. Like I, I think they have some areas where they really need to improve. And I think it, it showed on on Sunday, you know, nobody really guards Steph Curry, but like they're bringing like 
Terrence Davis off the bench, like in the third quarter to try to like stem the tide. They can't go to Davion Mitchell because he can't make a shot. Like, you know, I I really like Fox. I really like Malik Monk, as you know, Keegan Murray looks like he's going to be really good. I think they need to get better than Harrison Barnes on the wing. I I just don't think he's super reliable. Sabonis, I I like, and they're tied to Sabonis for another year. I think they'll probably extend him. It'd be nice if they had like a true screen and dive center that they can play, you know, kind of a Rashawn Holmes type. I I don't know why it didn't work this year with their offense, but, you know, that type of guy uh, in the second unit. So I I think they need, I think it's going to be a big year, you know, draft, free agency, trades. I'd like to see him move on from Davion Mitchell. I'd like to see him, you know, obviously I I don't, I don't envision they're going to re-sign Harrison Barnes. And so, you know, those are the two spots that I think they really need to, I think they need a, a guy who can play with De'Aaron Fox, but then also back up De'Aaron Fox, if that makes sense. Like, No, well, that should be Davion Mitchell, right? Like, that's... Can you find a, a, a two-guard or a combo guard? I actually was the most impressed with Davion Mitchell I've ever been in the NBA in this series because I'm like, he can guard Steph. You know? He really can guard. about that. Yeah, he really can guard. But it's you're right. Like, he just can't do anything else. And, no, and, and so, like, why did they not have him in the game, like... I, I don't know when they went small and I thought they should have gone smaller, small, quicker and more in game seven. I thought more Trey Lyles and then more Terrence Davis, but like, why can't Davion Mitchell play then? Like you need to guard Steph, like just, just play around Trey Lyles and play like four crazy guards. And I understand yeah. like Looney was, you know, back, rebounding but everything. Like, even like little, like even a Gary Payton, like can do stuff. Cause he's so athletic and he can yeah. score inside once in a while. Like Davion, like yeah. doesn't look comfortable being a point guard doesn't look comfortable as a shooter. Doesn't look comfortable getting so, inside. No, he doesn't. He's just an offensive disaster, which is fine. He's like Isaac Okoro, except he's like a pretty good defender. So let's talk about the Warriors. One thing I will say. Um, Wait, yeah. and one last thing about the Kings. Do you think they've changed the narrative on them to the point where let's say there's a free agent or a star available in a trade. Let's say it's Paul George, just hypothetically, that he would be okay going to Sacramento, or do you I mean, think he still might kind of specifically, like, but I I doubt it, honestly. So I mean, they still can, like a bottom ten like franchise. You think, in terms uh, of like bottom prestige. ten, bottom ten seems a little harsh, but yeah, I mean, I think the one thing I will say is their fans were amazing. Um, definitely looked like a place that you would want to play, right? When they were good, I, I would. You know, my thing is like, I think the Kings are a good team. I think Mike Brown is a good coach. I think they have good players. Like. I don't think they're ready to take the next step to really compete. Like I would still probably slot them in behind Minnesota and New Orleans, uh, just in the sense that I think both those teams have legitimate superstars uh, at more upside their best. But I do think like the Kings can just be rock solid and win like 45 games a year for the next little while. I mean, I do think De'Aaron Fox is that good, uh, you know, and he did break his finger and credit to them. They didn't blame anything like that. Keegan Murray had some huge games like, is this a good transition? Maybe. Do you think they're sort of like the Knicks of the West now? Where yeah, it's like, a little bit, a little bit like that. I think. Yeah, a little we'll bit. Like transition that. there, like Knicks. No, no, no. Hold on. Let's talk about the Warriors. Oh, the Lakers. Warriors. Yeah. Oh, that's a better transition. That's a better. Tra- Come on, you're, you're you're off your game. So, let's talk about the Warriors for a second, real quick. In that game seven, other than Steph, I was really, really impressed with their mental toughness. And you know, I don't like to talk about like intangible things, but it was like I think I texted you during the game that like Gary Payton was playing awful, right? But, like, late in the game, like, he's able to, like, bear down. He had a huge block shot, like, recovering out of the paint to block a three. Had a big, like, layup in transition. Draymond, for all the negatives about that guy, like, he's just so spectacular when he's, like, locked in. It's He just does so many good things on defense. Looney, who appears to be the most unathletic human being in the NBA, somehow just, like, is – I mean, he had 23 rebounds on Tuesday night, too. Like, Actually, I I have a point about Looney. 
two points about this because you're saying he's not the most athletic. He's had injuries too, so it's made him even less athletic. Can't jump. I I think I'm realizing more and more that like defense and rebounding, it's like less about athleticism and just like pure wingspan and 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 effort, effort and effort. But like Rudy Gobert is not athletic, but he happens to be. He was a really good athlete, Rudy Gobert. But also he's like seven five, so it looks like he jumps less than he does. And then also, I was going to say, Draymond, you said he shuts, you know, shuts people down defensively. He's totally shut down Anthony Davis in game one of the Lakers series. Looked great. Yeah, he wasn't good. I mean, he was okay. Like I said, when I'll get to that in a second. But, you know, Draymond, like when you when you do the one good thing the Lakers did in game one is like they forced Draymond to have to guard somebody, because if you let him play free safety, He's an absolute game wrecker. And you, I mean, you know that as much as you like dislike Draymond. And I don't, I don't know how many people really do like Draymond. At this Draymond, point. like on Reddit, like he's become the villain, like over Dylan Brooks, even I would say. Yeah. I, you know, it's, it's really interesting to me. So the Lakers win game one. Right. And I was not totally surprised. I did think the Warriors would, you know, come back to earth, like, so to speak. I, I, I again, I, I do feel very strongly that the Warriors are like exhausted. You know what I mean? Like they yeah. really tough seven game series took everything they had to do. But again, I, I still think the Warriors are a really bad matchup for the Lakers. And, you know, kind of like we talked about Curry Thompson and Jordan Poole all had like decent games shooting from three not great other than that and they lose a game and where those guys make 18 threes like that's not something you'd expect but they got you know very little from Draymond uh, Wiggins was like okay but kind of like a disappearing act nothing from their bench which is kind of ex- expected beyond pool but you'd like to get something from DiVincenzo and Gary Payton it's a game I would have expected them to win and uh based on yeah, how it kind of well, played out I I will say this even if you won't admit it like we were talking and said I think they match up well at the Lakers because, you know, you think Looney and, and Draymond can at least like hold their own down low. And then Steph is like the difference maker that they no one can match up with. And I was just shocked, honestly, like I'll admit, like I didn't watch the whole game because we had child care issues. But um, looking at the box score and then turning on the end of the game, I'm like the Warriors hit 21 threes, I think. 21 pool, threes. Yep. Pool six threes. Clay six threes. Steph six threes. I would have thought they won by 15 points and to see that they lost a free throws were a big deal. Free throws a big difference and they didn't shoot well inside the arc. That was another thing. And, and, and I, I think, can't you chalk all this up to Anthony Davis? Like I would say they're scared it, to go inside, I guess. Actually, it's kind of interesting. Jared Vanderbilt, I thought caused a ton of problems. Uh, his length was really a problem. LeBron is, you know who he is. So I do think it's interesting. Like they'll play sort of these, longer wings with Anthony Davis and and kind of like maybe live with the Warriors just bombs away from outside. And, you know, I, I kind of want to go to like Jason Bateman of like, it's a bold strategy, Cotton. Like, let's see how it works out. But it worked in game one and it was because Anthony Davis was was so good. And I, I, I am beginning to be concerned about LeBron James on offense. Yeah. Uh, and he, he had another bad shooting night on Tuesday. Obviously, he does so much, but like he really... You know, he rebounded the ball well, but turned it over, you know, one-to-one assisted turns. I He looks slow. And, you know, we grade LeBron on a curve, right? That's the one thing. But, like, I'm I'm worried about LeBron, man. I, I Not to take anything away from this Lakers game, but, like, I, well, I just – I don't know if we can expect him to be the guy that they need if this goes to, like, six or seven. But does it almost, like – 
you know, I have Laker friends that are, I mean, friends that are Lakers fans, obviously living in LA. And they all say the same thing. Like when LeBron is out, Anthony Davis plays so much harder and better. And he's just like more engaged and he feels like he could be that star. Like LeBron, does LeBron being limited, like in a way help Anthony Davis, like take ownership of the team and be like, I'm the best player on the court right now, at least maybe with LeBron, with LeBron pushing him to like be that way. Yeah. And I think LeBron gives him the swagger maybe that he needs, but like even in the bubble, like you could argue that Anthony Davis was the best player on the team for that stretch. Um, and maybe he has to be the best player when they win titles. I don't know. I mean, I don't think you can rule them out. Like they just, I mean, have you ever seen a turnaround like this? I know Boston had a turnaround last year, but everyone was thinking the Lakers are dead. I don't think the Lakers are that good, to be honest with you. I really don't. Um, I do think that there were a couple stylistic things that happened in game one. Uh, I think the Warriors waited a little too long to get Looney out of the game. I mean, they, they, they have to make Anthony Davis guard, and I would expect that we will see that. I would expect to see a lot more of Draymond at the five, and he may not guard Draymond, right? Uh, but I also am very, very curious to see if the Lakers will play more D'Angelo Russell than Jared Vanderbilt, if that happens, because Vanderbilt was very good on Curry, I thought, but they switched to Russell because like they can't really, they don't score as well with Vanderbilt in the game. And I think it's ultimately going to be like, does it come down to which team wants to play what style? And if they play more games like Tuesday night, I would expect the Warriors to win probably in six. Well, and then also we talked about before, like the Warriors can get away with Draymond and Looney being like non shooters, really. Um, because of their other shooters and everything else, but like, can the Lakers play Vanderbilt and Anthony Davis, who's okay shooter, but not good, good shooter against better teams. You know what I mean? Like Boston, let's say like, could they actually match up with Boston? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, we'll probably see more J Michael green too, assuming he can make a shot, you know, the, and, and the war and the, the Lakers, the big free throw disparity will discrepancy will continue. The Warriors just not a team that really gets the line, but also like they did make a lot of twos especially like non-paint twos as well. So and that's you say Golden State, you're pretty confident Golden State's going to win this series? Uh, I wouldn't. I do think Golden State should still be the favorites. But you're saying like the Lakers, you're giving them almost not no chance. but like, not No, no, not no chance. I, I'm LeBron saying Anthony making Davis. the finals, let's say. Like maybe like I think the maybe I think like the Warriors are like 66% to win the series. But like I'll give you an example. Like on Bovada, they're the third favorite to win the title of the Lakers. Oh, no, that's outrageous. How, how, how is Denver like, is Denver the second favorite? Please. Yeah, is Denver Boston, the- Denver and Denver Lakers and Philly are about the same. Somebody explain to me how anyone watches the Nuggets and the Lakers and thinks that the Lakers are close to as good as the Nuggets. Like is, is, is Jokic just going to like absolutely like take his pants off and like poop in the center of the court. And that's how the Lakers are going to win. Like, what what are people watching? <laughs> yeah, I don't even want to even talk about the Nuggets series that much because I'm like they're just freaking rolling. Like they're know? good, and and don't get me wrong, like they're they're going to go to Phoenix. They're up two zero. Like, you know, I wouldn't expect them to win both games in Phoenix. Maybe they don't win either game in Phoenix. But like, we watched them play a game game one where Phoenix just absolutely couldn't have played a stupider brand of basketball. So like they just played right into their hands. And then in game two, the Nuggets won kind of like the slugfest, like shoot a lot of twos that Phoenix wants to play. And now they got to go to Phoenix and they're up 2-0. And like, you know, if they, if they win, if they win game three in Phoenix, the series is probably over, you know? And and that's where like, yeah. I just don't understand. Like, 
the Nuggets have finally had all their pieces that they needed, right? Like, I still think they, they you'd like them to be a little bit better at the backup point guard spot. We talked about that. But Jokic, yeah. Gordon, Michael Porter, Bruce Brown, Jamal Murray, like, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, like, these guys have played together all year. This is the first time we've seen them play together all year. They're really good. Like, I don't know if they'd be favorites over Boston or Philly. They they are way better than the Lakers. Like, way better. Yeah. They're, I mean, they finally, like, stumbled around. They gave Jokic such a bad roster for a few years. They really struggled to, like, get, like, the back of the rotation right. And they still yeah. have a little trouble with that. But, I mean, you know, I think... <laughs> I think they're really good. So let, let, and let's Jokic is just like if they beat if they win the title, it's just because it's like they're good enough. The roster is good enough to match up with Boston, and Jokic is the best player in the world. But let's right so we, let's literally talk about the two things that we just said. So Anthony Davis against the Warriors, he doesn't have to guard Kevon Looney, right? And he probably doesn't have to guard Draymond Green, but you sort of have to guard Dre because of his ability to make plays. If they play the Nuggets. You don't get to just stand in the paint. Like, you have to guard Jokic. And all of a sudden, now Jamal Murray has, you know, an open court. Now Michael Porter has open space. Like, it's totally different. Because what you're saying is Anthony Davis was the biggest reason the Lakers won game one. And I agree with you. He was spectacular. I I would say, you know, I think he only blocked like four shots. But I I would say he altered at least ten. It doesn't happen. also like them not getting to the free throw line, not getting inside at all. Like, it's just... It doesn't happen if you play the Nuggets. And that's it's and again, that's not to say that like Davis isn't spectacular and can't get the best of that matchup. He certainly can. Jokic has to guard him too. But like this guy is just so clearly the best player left in the playoffs at full strength. And like the Nuggets, it right. just feels like everyone's like, well, ah, yeah, the Nuggets are fine. And it's funny because it's like Aaron Gordon, like flash forward like four years ago, he was considered like the best player on Orlando. And now he's like the fourth guy on Denver. Like that's a good team. They did such a spectacular job, in my opinion, of like actually unlocking who Aaron Gordon is. And he again, looks they, bigger to me too. Does yeah, he, he does. Like thicker. I don't know. Probably because he's guard. You know, he's. I don't know. Maybe he is thicker. Maybe it's that. Nuggets and, and also, like, I think the Nuggets have another level to get to. You know, if in terms Jamal- of like, well, I'm just saying, like, of all the teams, and maybe Boston's the same way, where it's like, like, even if MB, I mean, if Jokic doesn't win MVP, they lose in the first round. That's disappointing. But it's like, they're going to be better next year. They you probably know? will be, yeah. That, that would be my expectation. Work on their depth, and and you know Murray will be a little healthier. It took and Jamal, also like yeah, it took Porter, like, has, I was gonna say Porter hasn't like reached the neck that that level that he was at a couple of years ago, where he was like just hitting everything and actually being a huge threat. Feels like he's blending in a little bit. I do, I do feel like if they can have Jamal Murray play like he played. I mean, I don't expect him to play like he played in Game One, where there was like literally he like had flames like shooting out of his body late in the game. But like if Jamal Murray can like maintain a consistent level of stardom, this team is going to be really, really hard to beat. I'm not, I don't know that I would, I probably would put them as the favorites to win the title right now, just because they're up 2-0. I don't think that I, I think Philly and Boston, assuming Embiid is healthy, should probably both be slightly favored over Denver if they make the finals. But like Denver looks really good. And, And also the other thing is like, you have to play in Denver, right? And that is a big difference to have to play multiple games in Denver. Like I would like to see Miami do it because their conditioning is just like crazy, but you know, the altitude is a real thing. And I just, I I really do feel like this Denver team has, I don't know if I want to go as far as to say that they have the vibes going. Cause it feels like the Lakers are more of like the vibes team right now, but like the nuggets, man, like they just, can you fly under the radar any more than they have? 
Yeah, and it feels a little bit like the Bucks a couple of years ago, where it's just like they're in the conversation, they're in the MVP conversation, they're in the you know conference finals conversation, and it just takes that one year to break through. Yeah, and maybe and the stars do, are aligning. Yeah, you just do. And again, it, but the stars it, like the stars could the be things, aligning for Philly. By the way, that's the other thing I'll say. But I'll say this about Denver next year. You know, hey, they were the one seed. They only won fifty three games. Like they have the potential to be like Milwaukee, win sixty plus games if they can figure out their rotation. Totally. Well, they need to. They'll need to resign Bruce Brown, and my guess is he gets overpaid, which is fine. I mean, Bruce. Yeah, Brown but like, can really Christian good. Brown get there? Can they yeah, find Christian a better Brown's... backup point guard, backup center? It shouldn't be that hard. All right, let's talk about the Suns. This will probably be where it gets the most contentious on the show. So <laughs> they're down two zero. Uh, like I said, game one, they shot five threes in the first half, like just an absolutely just like legitimate, pathetic display of understanding how to play modern basketball. Yes, I agree. Uh, game two, they Booker and Durant shot 23s. That's more what we like to see. Yes. Uh, Booker, very good. I think, you know, four of eight Durant just had a, Durant had a tough one like he just did. You know, it's 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 rare that we see him, you know, have a game like that. Uh, but, you know, 10 for 27 from the field. Like I said, he missed 10 threes. He shot 12 threes, which, you know, please continue to shoot 12 threes. But, you know, Zan, you're right. I, I bet he looks at the box score and he's like, see, I shouldn't shoot this many threes because of one game. And he's going to go back to playing the way that he wants to. But, you know, they score 87 points in a game like they really should win. Chris Paul gets yeah. hurt. And it looks like the Suns are as good as they've been with Durant, kind of teetering. like. That they're just kind of. I think they're like on the verge of falling, and because it's just like what is it? What, the, what? Wait, wait, wait. What does teetering mean? Well, isn't that on the ver- <laughs> you're saying on the verge of falling. Yeah, that's what I'm trying. Well, to Well, it say. could isn't be you that... get your balance back if you're. Teetering. Oh, okay, that's I don't fair. See that. You catch I don't yourself. Because what's the formula? And you said it like game two was the formula. They played hard on defense. They shot threes, and they still lost. And you, maybe it's a home court kind of thing. But and they shot five free throws, which again is you know they don't shoot a ton of free throws, but like you need to get to the line some. But like their formula right now, and they've been winning games, as you pointed out, but it's just like the formula has been like, gosh, I hope Booker or Durant like has an amazing shooting night and maybe we can win a game. And I think they <laughs> can win a game or two with that formula again, but it's just like, that's Honestly. not going to beat a good Denver team. Honestly, it's so funny to think like, I, I have been critical of Monty Williams this year. I like Monty Williams a lot, but it's really funny the way you just described it, that like Monty Williams is in like the coaches meeting, like before the game. And it's like, it's like nine minutes on the clock. And he's like, man, gosh, I really hope to really hope Durant has it today. I know, it's like, and it's like, it's such a high bar too. Cause they shoot twos where it's just like, I hope Durant shoots 18 of 20 tonight. It's like, okay, so, well, that can't be our formula. So like they, sh- they were six of 31 from three in game two, right? Definitely more of a collective effort to make threes. They shot 20% from three. If they, you know, if Durant just shoots his average from three, he makes, I think three more, two more, probably. Yeah, two more. 33%. Yeah, but you, they don't have that like flame. Even the guy like D'Anthony Melton who hit five of six, where it's like they don't have They that have guy. guys Tory, like that, though. Like, like Tory Craig? Tory Craig did that, but no, not not. He did, has Craig. done that, but not consistently. Okogie had a stretch in the regular so, season. But. I, I would say that like my problem, and I've argued with you about this already, so I'm not going to like rant about it, but the Suns bench is not very good, right? We know that. However, in the playoffs, like your bench is not as important. We also know that the problem with the Suns bench is they have no idea who they're going to play on a nightly basis. Like Monty Williams has zero feel for like this guy we can go to. Instead, he's like Bismack Biombo. Here's 10 minutes. Like, Uh, why? Why is he ever playing? And how bad can Terrence Ross be? Because it's like they need a guy just to just to be able to be a threat. How bad can how bad could Darius Baisley be? How bad can TJ Warren be like? 
some of these guys need to play. Like you, you well, have to I, see I know if someone can bad. make a shot. I don't know the the stats say, but every time I watch campaign campaign, he's one of my least favorite players he's because not. he's like his shot looks really ugly. Number one, and then like he's ugly. Number two, <laughs> but also it's just it's rude. Like, you can't say that. But, the, but I know. But like I'm like I just don't trust him at all when he's on the court, and I'm like I want him off the court if I'm a Suns fan. Yeah, I he, don't. Uh, I don't disagree with that really. And then now with no Chris Paul, like I feel like they still trust him as like the backup point guard who maybe he's going to start now. But it's like, ugh. we don't like, have. I would a, rather uh, play Booker at point guard. I'd rather play Durant at small ball center. I'd rather do something else than play these like mediocre players. Oh um, yeah, and Chris Paul is like definitely out to like reevaluate yeah. Chris Paul in a week. I think is what we know. So, I mean. One of the they'll biggest be okay. things they'll be they'll be better next year too. They'll probably. be better next year for sure. And and again, like that's Durant with an off season. They get a chance to kind of probably decide what they want to do. But I don't see how this team goes forward with Chris Paul. That's that's kind of the biggest thing. And that, that's what I would say. They, I I don't know. I, I'm not. In but the wouldn't room. you agree I, with this? Like Durant and Kyrie didn't work out. You know, obviously if they had Harden, that would have been a great. But I think he was better off on the Nets. Yeah, because it's like with their Kyrie. team. Their team was better for sure. I, I mean, what, what I will well, this is what I was going to say. I don't know Kyrie the, and Booker. I mean, Booker's a little better maybe, but they're similar. And I think the Nets had a better supporting cast. Well, what I think the Suns, and this is this is what I was trying to think of the right way to phrase, but their internal evaluation of how much Chris Paul had left or has left was wrong, basically. Right. It's two years in a row where he hasn't really been able to make it through the playoffs. He's been having injuries in the playoffs for, you know, all the way back to like 2018. Right. But it just feels like even when Chris Paul, we think he's healthy, he he just isn't the same guy anymore. So you're not pairing Durant with two stars. You're pairing Durant with another star who is a pure scorer and then an old point guard who's like trying to figure out how to play the same way as he always has, but he's 5'11 and not as athletic anymore. And it's like, you see some games where he has it and other games where it's like, man, this dude cannot make an open shot. Like it feels like the game's too fast for him. And, you know, I've never been a Chris Paul fan, but I'm not reveling in watching him look like he, the game, like it's over for him, you know, but it, it, it is, it is over for him as a max player. Like he cannot be making $30 million if you want to win a title with Booker and Durant. And I think yeah. that's where the Suns and people like myself who really thought this was a good idea misjudged this so heavily was that it 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 looks to me like Chris Paul is done being rel- a, a reliable star in the playoffs. And again, that's so, fine, right? He's 38 years old or whatever he is. Like not everyone can be LeBron, but even LeBron looks like he's you know lost a step or well, I think he's fine. Like if he's if you say to him like hey you're Mike Conley now that's fine. I, is it fine though? No, but I'm saying like it would be fine if he was being paid twenty million dollars. What's he getting paid this year? Only twenty eight, but then it's thirty one, thirty one next two, two years. My God, there's two more years left on his contract. Yeah, all these. Contracts He's turning thirty eight years old on uh, Saturday. He will be thirty eight years old on Saturday. He has two years left on his deal. Are they if void I would, years? I would uh, let me check that. But I would, if I were them, I'd look at like, could you do a? You, the idea would be to trading him for like a one for two, but like. Could you trade him for Russell Westbrook? Would I? Could you? Well, I don't think you can sign Russ as a free agent. Yeah, because like the contract. But would you? Are you you looking at his? Are you looking at his career earnings? Russell's a free agent. They could sign Russell. Are you looking at his career earnings right now? Uh, No. 
But, All right, over under three hundred million for Chris Paul. <laughs> I'm looking, trying to find out if it's guaranteed money. Chris Paul. It is. It 15. is guaranteed. It's no player option, no team option. It is guaranteed. Oh, but, no, it says only sixteen million guaranteed. Um. Oh, twenty. Are you sure? Yeah, but they're not going to cut him. I mean, they might cut him. He's bad. He's, he's not, not going to cut him. He's for not bad. Million. He had a he's fine not. year too. All right, yeah. over under three hundred million in career earnings for Chris Paul. Chris Paul. Well, he's thirty eight. He's been playing since he was twenty. 18 years let's i i think under because those early years they the max was like 15 million dollars 331 million oh wow so he's going to retire because it doesn't take into account this year so he's going to retire having made 400 million dollars i mean in in revenue right like we're not cutting taxes but that is a lot of money what he's got to be one of the top earners i would imagine but i'll tell you like he'll be eventually dwarfed because yeah, there's some big. I mean, Damian yeah. Damian Lillard's gonna have made like a half a billion dollars. But like, people don't remember that. Like, I, I wasn't a joke quote. I said like when Miami put the big three together, like this the max was like fifteen million dollars. Oh, it was a little bit more than that, right? But yeah, like LeBron didn't make twenty million. I don't think in a year until he came back to Cleveland, right? Let's see the two thousand. Let's say I went to. I don't know when they got together. Well, I mean, they, remember they they redid the contracts, right? Because Jordan made thirty three million in a year, which was the largest anyone had made for a long time. Yeah. But let me see if I can find career earnings. Oh, here we go. Okay. Oh, they have inflation adjusted numbers you could look at too. All right, so LeBron's at four hundred and thirty one million. Uh, Chris Paul's second most active career earnings three hundred and fifty nine million as of this year. The range three fifty. A guy who really got screwed, Scotty Pippen career earnings one hundred and seven million. Are we and really now, doing this? Are we talking about Scotty Pippen's contract? I'm just saying, like you know, not screwed in so many, but like if he played today, he would get you know two hundred to three hundred million. I mean, if you if you uh, extend out what current players' contracts are, so just through twenty thirty, I'm, I'm going to read you. I would love you to guess the top five because I bet you could. Except number five would literally like make your eyes roll back in your head. The top contracts in the future? Well, so every contract that's signed right now, if they were over by 2030, LeBron would have made $529 million nice. and change. He's one. Can you give me two, three, four, and five? Oh, um, wasn't Garnett always the highest paid? But you're saying active players. No, no, players. I'm saying now. The active players included. Because they're, they're just be, has to be Durant, right? Yeah, Durant's two. He'll retire at 499.8 million. Chris so just Paul's got to be in the top five. Chris Paul right? is seventh. He'll oh, retire at 319. The supermaxes are, are wild. So, like, Damian Lillard's getting like 60 million. Yeah, season, so he'll so. he's fourth, 450 million. And Steph has one of those. Two, and he's right? third, 470 million. And now take a guess at who number five is. Um, hmm. Who's gotten that giant? And these guys are going to get a second deal too. That's the best part. Lillard is it probably Russ? Is, no, it's not. Russ is Russ is lower. Russ is like three hundred something million. That poor guy. Carl uh, Towns four hundred million. That's he's eighth. That was surprising to me. Oh, he has four hundred million though at eighth. Wow. Yeah. Chris Paul seventh. Jokic. Davis Bertans. No. Bradley Beal four hundred and twenty million dollars. That's, that's a hard one to look at. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Russ will be 14. I mean, all these guys, like Giannis is going to sign a, a Supermax the next time around, and it'll be you know worth $300 million or whatever. So it'll reset it, but it's funny. Yeah, so the only old school guy on here, Kevin Garnett, $334 million. Kobe, $323. Rudy Gobert, $300 million. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's funny to, to see these contracts, but all right, a bit off topic. But I think the Suns are in trouble a little bit because I think, not, not now, I think they're going to lose the series, but... 
I think they need to figure out what to do with Chris Paul. And like you said, is it sign D'Angelo Russell and play him a point guard? I don't know. You know what I mean? Uh, There's not a lot of options on the free agent market. And, you know, they did give up a lot to get Durant in terms of their picks. They do still have some picks, but like, it's it, it it's not a team that has a lot of easy maneuverability with the Aiton, Paul, Durant, Booker mm-hmm. contracts. So I'm not sure what they do, Zan. It, it's going to be tough. I think they'll be better next year, but... I, I wonder if they'll scapegoat Aiton, just the way they like bark at him a little I bit. I mean, he's court. probably the one guy that you can actually trade, right? Because yeah. no, you're not going to trade Booker. I mean, you know, we're not going to go through this charade with Durant again, so like... And nobody's taking Chris Paul. So Aiton's probably the one guy you could trade. And like what you could have gotten for him, you probably can't get anymore. Right. So, you know, he had a good year, but not. Yeah, I think that year. makes more sense. A trading Aiton for just like an average center and another average guy. Yeah, maybe that's better. I don't know. It's it's really interesting. So I like I said, my picks, I, I don't think I would change any of my picks. The one I'm most shaky on, I think, is is like I picked Boston over Philly. I'm not. I'm not so sure about that anymore based on what we've seen from Boston, but I still feel Miami um, assuming Jimmy's health, but I, I still think Miami might be able to get it done without him. Um, Boston, like I said, I'm not as sure about that one. Denver. I'm, I feel very, well, how can you be in. sure about anything? Like I, the no, no, logic you can't, would say, you can't, but yeah, logic would say Boston, Denver finals, but I think Blake had said Philly, Denver finals originally Good that for seems, him. If that works out, that seems very likely. I mean, I have that. I, I actually have money on Denver in this series against Phoenix. Like this was, I thought this line was ridiculous. It was like, I, I got Denver like plus plus one twenty to win the series. And I thought that was insane. But, but after Phoenix. Milwaukee lost four, one, I know Giannis was hurt, but like, I don't have much confidence in anything anymore. The crazy part is everyone's talking about this. Like Miami didn't just have like a, a, a 1% outcome from sh- like shooting the basketball. And then all of a sudden they're just like back to normal shooting like 30% from three. So whatever. Yeah. Um, and then, like I said, I, I still do think golden state's going to win. Um, Probably the that's probably the most interesting series though because from a stylistic standpoint there's a lot of changes teams can yeah. make. We we pretty much know how Boston's going to play. We know how Philly will play. We're pretty confident Denver's not going to change what they do. Phoenix maybe they'll continue. And to then shoot also plays. like how lucky what we said at the top of the show as fans. You know there's injuries in other series, but LeBron and Steph are probably two of the top ten players of all time. Yeah, relatively close to their prime. Going at it in round two. That's that's awesome. I mean, it's hard to say that Steph's not still on his prime, to be honest. I mean, yeah. LeBron, obviously, his peak was so high. and I, I, We're not close to being able to have a LeBron versus Steph discussion. Like, LeBron is better than him. It just is what it is. But, like, man, I, I don't – I mean, Steph is I, – I think Steph's better than Durant all time. I, I don't yeah, think it's really – I mean, Like, maybe, maybe Durant is more talented than him. But, like, at some point, like, you're going to look at Steph's accomplishments and, it, and there's not many people – but Durant really needed that other title in Brooklyn hey, maybe, or Phoenix. Maybe he'll just... maybe he'll just go on like a flamethrower barrage or just shoot 10 to 15 threes a game and just start scoring like we've always said that Durant can score however many points he wants. So like maybe he'll just do that, you know? Maybe we'll see 20 was it 2020 or 2021 Durant with yeah. the Nets? And if, and if they somehow do get by Denver, then suddenly it looks like they'll be the favorites. It's opened the up, yeah, if they do it. Uh, but I, I think that Denver should be the current favorite to win the title. That would be my big opinion about the things that have happened. So uh, that'll be it for us this week. Probably can talk some draft stuff next week, too, if uh, things slow down. But you got any other takes? Anything out there? Um, No, I'm, I'm excited. And uh, it's... It's sort of, you know, we waited a long time for these series to happen. The injuries are bummers, but 
you, you have good games to watch every night. And so, you know, as a basketball fan, you can't ask for more than that. Yeah, no question. All right. Uh, he is in underscore Ellison on Twitter and Reddit. You can email the show Kelson at gmail.com. And uh, we'll be back next week. As always, Dan, it's a pleasure. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Underdog Sports NBA Show with your hosts, Tyler Laurie and Zandrick Ellison. Tune in next week for more NBA storylines and news. 